Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Then he finishes off by saying, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. In other words, if you're mature, you will exhibit this mentality. Forgetting the stuff that's behind, looking forward to what's ahead, reaching forward for the prize that's there in Christ. And if you disagree on some point, he concludes, I believe God will make it plain to you. Notice those verses again, 13 and 14. His focus is on what's up ahead, not what's in the past or not even what's happening now. I believe that your true hope is whatever you are prepared to pursue. I believe that whatever you are chasing after is really what you hope. Hope is not, oh, I hope so, oh, I wish. Many people say that from a very static uh, mentality, from a, a still point. They go, oh, yeah, that'd be nice, and they're just hoping that something will change. But Bible hope is never that kind of uh, thinking. Bible hope is always you and I going after something that lies in our future. Your true hope is whatever you are prepared to pursue. It's more than mere endurance. That may or may not have anything to aim for. I know many people right now that have an attitude of endurance, but they're not actually looking forward to anything. I believe one of the most crucial things right now in the Church of Jesus Christ across the world is that we rediscover fresh vision. If I was to say anything to you that I feel the Holy Spirit on a regular, almost daily basis keeps drawing my attention back to, it's the fact that there is an abundance of need around about us, that we are not called to simply wait and hope that somehow or other something changes, but that we are people who see things differently and we are people of action and we are people of courage and we are people of faith. And so our hope is something that lies up ahead that we are prepared to pursue. We're not waiting for it to turn up. We're not saying, well, you know, if only everything, if only everybody got vaccinated and that was the end of it all. I don't want to be waiting for anything. I want to be pursuing the great hope that Christ has for the entire world, that Jesus wants people to know Him. My hope is that my life and your life will make a difference to thousands of people around the world. We may not be able to do it all. We may not even be able to do most of it, but we can all certainly do something. But we'll never do that if we're living an I hope so life, only if we are living a Bible hope life and pursuing after the things that lie ahead of us. So let me take you to Genesis chapter 12 to a man who's got his senior's card. 
He's 75 years old or young, depending on how you think about age. But this is what it says in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, whose name is changed later to Abraham, which is more familiar to us. But at this point, that hasn't occurred yet. He's just the beginner. And this is the first time that he hears the voice of God. And the Lord says to him, go and get out of your country. Get out away from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And then he begins to speak about the future. I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse him who curses you. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. A 75-year-old leaves comfort and leaves security of the familiar to pursue what lies ahead. And you've got to understand, obviously, that's unreasonable. Most people at 75 are planning how to spend their children's inheritance. Most people at 75 have downsized already and have found somewhere more comfortable and they're wondering what bowls club to join or some other such thing, what cruise they'll go on next. But here is a 75-year-old man. By the way, no offence to the 75-year-olds here because one day all of us will get there and so you should be nice to them all. Amen. Because we've got some amazing 75 and 80 year olds in this church who absolutely don't live the kind of I'm just waiting for the, for, you know, the knitted throw rug uh, kind of th- uh, thinking in their life. But they're active and they're serving God. And so here is this guy, Abram, though. And it is unreasonable to most people's thinking. But all true hope is unreasonable because it sees what other people don't. Why is it that nobody else apart from Lot goes with Abram? Why doesn't everyone else in his family go, what, you mean you've heard from God? You mean to tell me that God said, I'm going to give you a land, not a plot. I'm going to give you a land. Do you mean to tell me that God said, I'm going to bless you? Do you mean to tell me that God said, in you will all the families of the earth be blessed? If that's the case, Abram, Put me down, I'm coming as well. But the reality is not everyone sees the same hope that you see. Not even every Christian will catch the dream that you have. Not every believer, no matter how much they honour God, will see what you see. All true hope is unreasonable because not everybody sees it. And a hope from God empowers you and drives you To pursue, I think there would be many of us in this church that understand. And, uh, you know, I've heard people preach against being driven. You shouldn't be driven. And I go, well, I don't know, I'm driven. But I'm not driven for fame or for applause. But I I am driven by the call of God. I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, Maybe what Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Do you know what I mean? Many of you do, I know. It's not even a I get to because there's so much language around that as though somehow or other, you know, we don't want people to feel any obligation anymore. 
we want just to do it because they, you know, they, everything is beautiful and, you know, in the sweet by and by, kumbaya, my Lord, you know, and, you know, softly and tenderly Jesus is calling. Well, I don't know because I find that sometimes Jesus is not softly and he's definitely not tenderly. Sometimes Jesus is saying, I call you, get up and go. Hello? Sometimes Jesus is not just there saying, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child, pity my simplicity. I'll start that in the wrong key. Simplicity, suffer me to come to thee. And we, we want lovely Jesus. We want lovely Jesus to sing us a lullaby when he says, no, I want to change the world and I need you to be up and I need you to be active and I'm calling you. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. If you'd like to, we make it sound. That's why I personally hate using the word volunteer because I don't think any believers are volunteer for anything. Oh, you might have put your hand up and you might have said, put my name down and you might have gone to EFM or Crip for Ministry and you might have thought, well, it could be that or that or that and you might have tried a few of them till you found the one that fits. But can I tell you that there is a God in heaven who sits above every single part of that and he says, I called you by name. I called you. If he calls you, the only answer you can give is a yes or a no. And this church has been built by the people that have said the yes. Amen. To the call, whether it was uncomfortable or whether it was convenient or whether there was difficulty associated with it. The ministry of hope that reaches people that are the most broken in our community here in Perth. And now it's getting celebrated after all these years. Funny, isn't it, how most people don't celebrate the start of something. They celebrate it once it's successful. So we now have the Member of Parliament and the Government Minister turn up and they're all saying how much they love the spirit with which the ministry is carried out. But can I tell you that every part of that is because there are people in that team and many of them are sitting here in front of me right now. People that are called to that. People that are called. I look at Arnold Kumar in Pakal and, you know, the church there in Pakal is a part of the service. I have no idea what time of the morning it is there, just way early. And, uh, but they're there and that's a six-hour drive from the home in Hyderabad. Why are you doing that? That's unreasonable. But every call of God's unreasonable, isn't it? Why are there people that uh, put their hand up to be leaders? You saw them up here, people serving in Metro Kids. It's because you see something that everybody else doesn't see. And a hope from God will empower you, but it will also drive you. We make it sound like coming to Jesus is all about you feeling better, getting better and going to heaven when you drop dead. I don't think Jesus thinks that about you. I think Jesus thinks about you getting saved as being another weapon in his arsenal. I think he thinks about you as being another world changer that's joining his team. I think when you say yes to Jesus, he says, I called them for that. 
I called them out of their darkness. I called them out of their life. I called them out of their brokenness. And some of us, we limp to the front line because we're not yet whole. But you know, in our going to battle with Jesus, wholeness comes to our life more than it ever would if we'd stayed somewhere or other back in the safe place saying, God, when I'm perfected, when I've got all my issues solved, when I've got all of my problems fixed, then I'll come to the front line with you. And he says, no, I'd rather have you limping with me at the front than waiting behind somewhere or other. Oh, we are called. Romans chapter 4 tells us about Abram. This is in the New Testament. Verse 17 says, this is what the Scriptures mean. When God told him, I've made you the father of many nations, this happened because Abram, Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was, watch it, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Don't you want to be around people like that? I do. I want to be around people. I, I want to have a board and I want to have a staff and a team of leaders who are unreasonable hopers. Amen. I want to have people in this church who go, yeah, it's ridiculous. But I keep hoping. Amen. I'm hoping anyway. So I'll keep laying hands on the sick and I'll keep sharing my faith and I'll keep on giving and I'll keep on serving. He kept hoping, believing that he'd become the father of many nations because God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. But he never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Hope kept him going forward. Hope kept him. Are you with me this morning? Oh, I pray that today there will be such a heavenly outpouring of hope in the lives of every person here and every person that's a part of this service, whether it's in the week to come and you get a hold of us there on YouTube or now at MetroChurch.online and you get to be a part of the service and you're in some other part of the world and I'm praying that the residual outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be there for you because every one of us in this hour needs to be people that keep going forward. Hope will keep you going forward. Hope kept him focused. He kept on going saying, you know what? I know my body is past it. I know her body is past it. But I've got a hope and my hope says it can happen. And I'm going to keep on moving forward towards that. So he kept on having date nights with an 85-year-old. He'd come home and she's lit candles and scattered rose petals. And some of you are wondering how far I'm going to take this story. I'm pausing right there. But you know what I'm saying? This guy, he had a hope that kept on bringing him forward and hope kept him strong. How else can you explain? I have watched over and over again people with hope in their life, somehow or other, they conquer things that other people just quit on. I watched them. They can have a lot. I don't know any Christian leaders that I know of that don't have problems. 
everyone I know, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's an occasional bouts of, of melancholia. I read a book once called Christian Preachers. Took everyone from uh, John the Apostle through to John Christo, I don't know, through to, well, one of the guys anyway. It was such an amazing read because every single one of them was flawed. Famous names in church history. Listen to me, don't disqualify yourself. Just because you go, I've got an issue. Why don't you say, God, I've got a hope. It'll make me strong. Keep your eyes on the prize, not the problem. That's what Abraham did. There's a baby up there somewhere. So he'd come home from date night. Are you pregnant yet? The neighbours are all going, that pair are something else. That's why it works. In the sweet by and by, we will meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by. See, last week I spoke about the anchor. The anchor holds you in place, the anchor of hope. But hope's more than an anchor. Hope is something that lies up ahead and takes me forward. <laughs> hope keeps pulling you. <laughs> hey, there's a couple of detours here and there. This thing needs a rudder. You've got to show this to Cooper later. He was like going, what are you going to do with the rope? And I said, they're going to pull me on a trolley. He goes, well, what? I said, keep going. I'm not there yet, brother. Don't... I think you need to do that again. So my hope was, was just struggling a little bit there. Not yet. Why don't I get on? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, hold the horse while I get on. <laughs> Listen, have you got a hope in your life? Or are you just living? Just breathing? Going to work? Come home? Haven't got a job? Looking in the paper? I don't even look in the paper anymore. No point. Have you, have you still got a hope that takes you forward? We didn't work this part of it out so well. Just keep pulling, brother. I'll get there eventually. So that I'm going to head right into that there, that speaker pit there. Occasionally there are some detours in your journey. Is this how they teach you in the Philippines? <laughs> Another famous illustration. <laughs> Hope will keep pulling you forward. So let me answer the question that I'm sure some of you are asking. That's great, Jeff, but I have not been building hope in my life. Some of you, if you're honest, you'll say, right now, hope is at an all-time low in my life. What do I do? Well, here's the first thing. 
Job 14, verse 7. I remember Marcus Adern telling me this verse. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. Job 14, verse 7 says this, For there is hope for a tree, that if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease, though its root may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. There's no such thing in God as hopeless. Understand that for start wherever you're starting from. Start by saying, God, there's hope of a tree. I feel like the stump is dead. I feel like there's no cause for hope, but I'm going to hope anyway. And then can I tell you what the next thing is? If you go to Psalm 23, many of you will know it anyway. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If I took you to Psalm 91, verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, the one who's trying to trap you, and from the perilous pestilence. In both those psalms, the psalmist uses the power of his words and says, this is what I'm saying in the middle of my trial. Now, I know that some of us, we have been so drenched in the doctrine of absolute honesty of our feelings that we find it hard, you know, to dissociate from that and to make a declaration. We live so many people out of their emotions. If they feel bad, they go, I'm bad. If they feel unworthy, they say, I'm unworthy. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches us that there is power in our words. I went through and I read the entire book of Proverbs this week in one sitting, quickly, but I did. And I wrote down every verse that talks about the power of your words in just one book. Fifty-six times in one book, the book of wisdom, you are told to be careful about what comes out of your mouth. 56 times in one book, you are told about the impact of your speech. The psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, not, oh God, where are you and how come I've been here and what's the matter and it's not fair and it's their fault. He said, I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my strength. I've discovered a great peace and a great strength in saying, Lord, this is what you say and it's unreasonable, but I choose to agree with you. You say that about me. You say that I'm more than a conqueror. I feel more than conquered, but you say I'm more than a conqueror. Lord, I feel unworthy, but you say you've forgiven me of all my sins and you've declared me righteous. I feel alone, but you say you've put the solitary into families. Therefore, Lord, I cannot be alone. There are people around about and you're with me. Let me conclude just one more verse that I love. And we're going to sing again in a minute that song, Jar, the chorus of that. This is one of my favourite verses. I was thinking this morning, you know, if you had one verse to put on your tombstone, and I've got plenty of time to think about it because it's another 55 years to go before we'll need one. So I'm not saving up anytime soon, but 
If you're going to put a verse in your tombstone, what verse would you pick? I know, well, there's a bunch I'd probably want. There wouldn't be a big enough tombstone to write them on. But one of them would be this verse out of Philemon. There's only one chapter in Philemon. Verse 6 says this, that the sharing of your faith might become effective. Watch this. By the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you, in Christ Jesus. How many Christians get before God in prayer and the only thing they acknowledge to God is what a loser they are, how bad they are, how many mistakes and failures they've made, and then they want God's answers to come their way and he goes, you got it all wrong. He says, when you come before me, if you want your faith to become effective, start acknowledging every good thing that's in you in Christ. Are you your best cheerleader or are you your worst critic? If you want hope to grow, start becoming a cheerleader for the work of God in your life. Applaud everything God does. Say again, Lord, this is what I'm going to say about you. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us today. You want hope to not just be a thought in our mind. You want it to captivate our heart. Lord, every one of us here, there are things in our world right now, wherever we are, they're challenging, they're difficult. But Lord, you've given us a hope. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. So Lord, we hitch ourselves to that hope that'll draw us forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. Maybe you're a part of this service today and maybe you found us somehow or other or maybe you're in the building here. You say, Jeff, I don't know how to find God again. Maybe you used to walk with Him and you lost your way and there you go, I don't know what to do. Well, everything begins with a yes. I've done I don't know how many weddings now, hundreds of them, I would think. You know, in every one of those, the married life starts with an I will. Starts with a yes. Matter of fact, you can't start it without it. You're not married unless you say, I do, I will. It's so easy here, yes text. And that'll be one of the moments that'll come up if you're with us at metrochurch.online. It'll come up and all you gotta do is press on the button. Do you wanna say yes to Jesus? That's a screenshot of it right there. And all you gotta do is just press on the yes and it takes you automatically through to the place. You can do that today. You might say, oh Jeff, you're making it sound so simple. That's because it is. When Jesus called the disciples, he never gave them the entire New Testament. He just said, come, follow me. And the ones that followed were the disciples. And so I believe if you say yes, you're a disciple. Just say yes. 0488 here in Australia. If you'd rather get the support, which will come to you via email, then you go to, you go to metrochurch.online is what you do. And uh, we would love to be able to support you in your walk with Christ in that place. Amen. How about we today stand together? Kylie, I love this song. I will be content, not with the contentment of resignation, but with the contentment that comes out of confidence and hope. I will be content with everything God wants to do in my life. Come on, let's sing it. Yeah.
Father, I pray that every person here will go into their week, wherever it may be, and they'll be a carrier of your kind of hope to the people around about them. We can change the workplaces we're in with the atmosphere of your faith and your grace. We can change our schools and our neighbourhoods by becoming people that say of the Lord, He's my rock, He's my refuge. Father, I thank You for every person. Let them go with Your great blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen.